Okay. Cool. Cool. Here we go. Sweet. Welcome back to episode four, History According to Hollywood. Woo. There we go. That's an appropriate woo. I've been told that I peak. So <laughs> too a little too loud on the on the woos. But we're doing okay with it. Uh-huh. Alright, so I'm I don't feel judged. You don't feel you don't feel judged? No, not at all. Bewildered, all right. betrayed. None of these are feelings that I feel. Well, I'm glad. I'd feel kind of bad. Like a three out of ten bad. Oh, wow. Not super bad. Wow. Just wow. Anyways, so um, speaking of feeling bad as a, <laughs> as a white person, <clears throat> uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about the movie Selma, which is about the Selma to Montgomery march in 1865. Not 1865, 1965. No, 1965. A whole hundred years after what I say. <laughs> that, well, ironically, a um, hundred years after our last movie we talked about, which was Glory. Well, 102. Oh. About the Civil War. Oh, look at me. I'm the history guy. No, I can just do math. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah. So we have um, just just uh, about a hundred years later, and that's something I was thinking about when we were watching this film. And I was like, man, it's like, did they not learn their lesson the first time? Like, come on. It's it's so sad, like how far and yet how not far at all we came in that hundred years. And it's also sad that like people who were a part of this are still alive. Not that the, not as sad that they're alive. That sounded bad. Right. Sad that that it's that recent. Yeah. Or the fact that people can know that this happened in like our grandparents' lifetime and be like, "Oh, racism's gone." Right. Like, racism no longer exists. It's just like we um, we signed the bill and it's gone. Like, clearly, we just, we just willed we, it away. We, we made racism illegal, and nobody nobody's racist yeah, anymore. Nobody breaks the law. They don't do uh, that. No, but uh, at the same time, you watch this and you're like, you know what? We've come a long ways since this. It's mixed emotions, for it sure. It really is. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get racially motivated. <laughs> Oof. That was my line. That was my line that I thought of, and I was like, here we go. Wow. That's how we'll, racially that's how we'll get it off. Jesus, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> how? <clears throat> All right. So this was uh, released in 2015. Yes. I saw it was 2014. I think Amazon says it's 2014, and then one lifted up as 2015, so somewhere around there. <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, so apparently this was a movie that was like a decade in the making. Uh, wow. Yeah, so apparently, which ironically, you know, uh, how many movies do we have about Martin Luther King Jr., in all honesty? Not like, very many. Not very many, which is weird We have a me. lot about the civil rights movement, yeah. but we don't have... Do we have another one explicitly about like Martin Luther nothing King Jr. That came to mind? I'm sure there's something out there, but nothing like nothing like mainstream that went that was very popular that right made it you know made an impact like which this. is kind of weird because when you think civil rights, you think Dr. King like that's right the like guy. Malcolm X has his own movie right Denzel Washington yeah uh Muhammad Ali. Yeah. That's his own movie. Yeah. All during the same time. Um, the Hidden Figures movie about the black women mm -hmm. at NASA. Mm -hmm. Awesome story, by the way. Um, you have Mississippi Burning about the FBI agents in right. Mississippi. You have Ghost of Mississippi. Yep. You have, you know, Selma Sweet Selma, which is that made-for-TV movie that we all watched in elementary school. That's about the same thing. It's just right. a lower-budget movie. But, yeah, it's weird. You have Ruby Bridges. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it seems like... Uh... Dr. Keen was one of the last to get his own biopic. Yeah. This I mean, isn't even really a biopic of him. It's really no. a it's really a biopic of 
uh, uh, what a, a six month period of his life. It's like a snapshot almost. Right. Yeah. Which kind of uh, you know, I think, I think plays to the film's benefit to an extent. Mm-hmm. But also makes the makes it a little less comprehensive of him as a character. Well, I appreciate that they try to be objective with like who he was as a person, but to do that in a movie that's only about like a couple months, right, is really hard with so, no prior like. It's not like a sequel to anything, or you know. So it's pretty obvious that there's there's two different sides to him. You have the side like we when we open up the very beginning of it, he is. He's just, it's just him and Coretta and he's tying his tie and he's kind of talking about, oh, this doesn't feel right. I shouldn't be wearing this. Like he's second guessing a lot of the things that he's doing. And then cut to, he's giving this powerful speech in front of thousands of people. Well, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of people. Um, and that's what he's known for. That's the, that's the side of history that we know Dr. King is, you know, his ability to um, rally people together, his way of speaking the truth in a way that got across to a very hostile Mm -hmm. um crowd and kind of brought people to him um well to his following um but we also see the humane side of him the side that that does have his doubts and does have his um issues with you know within his own group of people yeah which i thought was interesting but at the same time, we don't get to see Dr. King become who he is. We just kind of see him as he is. He already is like Dr. King. Right. Like he already is the face of the civil rights movement long before the events of this movie. Which may be, a, like maybe that's part of the biopic for him. If we, if we were, which I, I'm, this is not going to be the last movie about Dr. King. Right. Like it won't be. Um, probably isn't even since then. Um, or since this movie came out, but uh, it would be difficult to have a biopic of him because he did so much and became such an important figure that it would be like a well, it'd be a very long movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> it'd be hard to get everything into. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so I think to its own detriment and to its own um, benefit, this film really is like you said a snapshot of him. It's not his entire life. It kind of shows his decisions and his uh, personal life while these important events were taking place. I think all the films that we've talked about, and I think this is just true of everything, honestly, is that their greatest strength is usually their greatest weakness. So like if the greatest strength of Braveheart was that they don't care about fact and they just make this Mm -hmm. epic movie, then that's its greatest weakness. And if the greatest strength of glory was that they use the letters of Robert Shaw then its greatest weakness is they don't embellish it. That's all mm-hmm. they do. And so I think the same thing can be said for this movie. Like the thing that makes it so powerful and so hard hitting is also the thing that occasionally you're like, wow, it'd be really cool if I had more context for this. Like not just that, but also in my opinion, and I was texting you when I was watching this, I was like, Jesus Christ, they've been sitting in a room talking slowly for five minutes. You are such a horror nut. Like I can't, I, I was like, oh my gosh, if this was, and that's, if this was about anybody else, I'd be like, this movie <laughs> is not for me. It's like, tread carefully, brother. This is an important part of America. This is, but it is important. And, and not only is it important, it's important, it's, it, not only is it important to tell the story, it's important to have the reminder 50 yeah. years later of, hey, <laughs> this is where, this is where we came from. And this is where our country was uh, at, a, at a point of time that was not very far. No. Not very 
not very distant. If you're our age, there's a decent chance if you have older parents that your parents were being born when this was happening. Yeah. I mean, grandparents lived through it. Yeah. Sure. So when your grandparents were our age, which is in your mid 20s, you were witnessing this. Right. And, unfortun- and the unfortunate truth is some of our grandparents were not on the correct side of this because that's just how it is. Yeah. You know? um, Maybe not ours specifically, but people's grandparents may have changed their minds. They may not have, but not everybody gets to be the good guy, you know, like. Which I liked, and this is something that's uh, maybe kind of controversial. Um, history is, without not trying to be a pun here at all, history is rarely black and white. And oh, it never usually, is, yeah. um, Usually there are explanations from both sides, not trying to explain racism or, you know, the violence that took place in any way. Um, but there was a, there was quite a few um, scenes specifically between like, LBJ and uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover and like the oh, I forgot the name of the the Alabama governor. Oh, George Wallace. George Wallace. Uh, well, they're talking about why people can look at what he was doing and say like, oh, that's a problem. Um, he because essentially what he says, and this is, uh, I mean, this LBJ says you essentially you created disturbance. Uh, violence ensues, and then you have a call to action as a result of the violence. Um, which is what happened. Yeah, and I mean the 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 big the problem here is that you know they were fighting for not only just equality but basic human rights, and so it's like yeah you can and he said this multiple times you can you can make this go away, you can right. sign a piece of paper and make all of this go you away. You can just legally make us be treated equal, and this will never be a but thing. But they're like but they're like well you could also just not fight for your freedoms and not right. fight for your rights, and he's like well I'm not going to. So <laughs> I like that I do like that Dr. King and most of the activists, if not all the actors in the movie, have at least one dialogue where they repeatedly remind the audience and their contemporaries that like there are vigilante murders happening all of the time right. in the south and in segregated states and there is vigilante crime and arson and beating people going on all the time and nobody cares unless you catch it on camera right and force them to see it and right. so the great hypocrisy of johnson and hoover is that they don't want to talk about what happens when there aren't cameras but suddenly, if there are cameras on it, you created that disturbance. Like, just because you took an extra, you know, iota of effort to pursue what is your, like, by the Constitution, God-given and country-given right, that it's your problem. Like, you did this. Right. Which is, a, like, it's hard to watch, but it's an important message that I'm glad is in the movie, because it's so easy to just take one example and be like, well, if you just hadn't have picked a fight, there wouldn't right. have been a fight. And you're like, I didn't choose the fight, man. Like, I grew up like being abused by society essentially they're just saying like hey just just stop trying and this will go away and he's like well just give us our rights and this will go away and it's so it shows it shows the conflict and a a deeper a deeper level than uh you know then it goes going beyond just the the race and just the just the violence that's taking place in alabama it goes to where there are layers to this there are reasons for why each side is I don't want to say politically, but it's having to strategize their next move because mm-hmm. you can't just have a war. Yeah, you can't just you know walk away. There's conflict that has to be resolved, and neither side's willing to budge. Yeah, and it's that it's that thing where the people who oppose 
like Dr. King and the civil rights advocates don't have a leg to stand on other than they're simply racist. Like that's all there is to it. And so right. every time they're called on it, their answer is, well, this is just the way things are supposed this to work. This is the way things are. And there's a, we great... have a way of doing things down here. Like George Wallace says, and Lyndon B. Johnson's like, are you kidding me? Like that's your answer to why yeah. this is happening. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, there's a great line. I mean, it's, it's Martin Luther King. Like you could fill this podcast episode with like, Oh, there are lines from speeches. I really like. like, of course there's a line early on that he kind of comes back to later. He says, what the illusion of supremacy has destroyed the truth of equality to nourish. Um, and then he comes back later and he talks about how, kind of trying to explain, people of power have nothing to give you. They'll give you a lie. Yeah. And this lie is that no matter how low on the totem pole you are, you're still white. Yep. And that's for some reason better. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it really... Like it, it breaks down like this, the, the racism that has just polluted the minds of so many people um, and caused so many problems. It's just, it's a lie. Yeah. It's just straight up. It's a lie. And, and you know, it's a lie. And, and that's the, why anytime you get challenged on it, you get so violent is right. because they all, whether they want to believe it or not, objectively know better. Like that's right. the underlying tone in the movie is we all know racism is crap. It's just, are you willing to call it crap, or does it benefit you to pretend that it's legit? Like, Which, you know, for the people who, for the town folk, what are they benefiting? Like, I understand for the governor. Yeah, I mean, political not, supremacy. Not support, don't agree with, but I understand no. his reasons. Yeah, like, if I were an evil racist dude, I would want the people who would vote against me to not be able to vote. Right, like, because he knows, he knows he won't be reelected. You know? Yeah. Um, but... And if I can feed my poor populace this bullcrap that like, well, at least you're not black, so I don't have to fix anything in the state, then it... But for like, you know, people who are, you know, metal workers. Well, or... the people who just show up to just... the march that we'll talk about here in a second when we actually start picking apart the movie, <laughs> they just show up with their signs and their hatred. And you're like, what, what do, do you... Why? why? I just... It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so looking back, it's easy to say that was stupid. But we still see people like we all know that keyboard warrior who just likes to hate like people who are different right. and you're like why like what does that you know? benefit you and it turns out as we've all seen that there are more and more people like that that were just hiding and you're like why what is wrong with you like I, what is what does blind hate get you <laughs> yeah um but anyways that's uh we're, we could talk about this all day we're not here to try to try pick to part society pick apart why people are racist or why people were we do were that in racist. our own time over a cold beer it's, in our white <laughs> privilege <laughs> it's just it's just hard to watch this film and not and not to be like what were what were they thinking like what <laughs> yeah what what are what are, why are you guys opposing this yeah. um and the one last note is one thing i noticed last night is like the people and i'm we're not here to like call anybody out that's not the point of this podcast but we all we all know who they are the people who sound exactly like the racist people in movies about the civil rights movement just about a slightly different societal topic and you're like how do you not realize that you sound like the bad guys in history like how do you where is that cognitive dissonance coming from like yeah. i could literally take a nazi or a clan speech change like seven words and give it to you and it's something that you wrote on facebook the other day like how do you not see that <laughs> uh and maybe that's another thing is that these these things throughout history are are i don't want to say small small acts uh what turned the tide here in in public opinion and the kind of the call to action that we'll we'll get to whenever they do march from selma um is not the acts of 
legislation or the governor or really anybody of power. It's the acts of these small troops, the people yeah. who who jump and lynch and mug. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not even the acts of the people who are fighting for their rights. It's the reprisals against them that get people motivated. Right. Like, it's not... I don't want to say people didn't care. People didn't care enough about the idea of African-Americans being treated equally in the entire country to get off their butts and do something about it, most people. But more people did care when they watched them get beaten and gassed and attacked by police dogs for simply trying to march across a bridge. Like, right. Which is kind of, you know... The climax of this film, and it's a good segue into let's talk about the actual movie. So uh, let's let's back up a little bit. So essentially, these acts of violence start right off the bat. Um, There's the bombing of the church in Birmingham, um, which I wish they would have given a little more context to. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a real thing that that happened uh, in more or less the same way that they portray it. So you know, random act of violence, random. Yeah. Not really. I mean, I don't know. In the film, it's just a bomb goes off. Yeah. In the film, it's a completely unexpected. Like, oh my god. Like, and it's just kind of it's kind of mentioned, but yeah. And I think it's interesting. One of the things is, uh, this takes place after the Civil Rights Act is yeah. is passed. Yep. About six months, Ish. roughly. Yeah. Um. And Dr. Teen is giving a speech. Uh. And while he's giving a speech, this bomb goes off. Not not at no. the place where he's. Well, giving he's a speech. accepting. Isn't he accepting his Nobel Peace Prize? That's what. Yeah. Yeah. In Norway, like, because that's where you get those. Is and, in Oslo, Norway. And uh, and in Birmingham, mm-hmm. little uh, school school age girls are being killed for absolutely no reason so it shows that there's been progress Mm -hmm. and we're there's still a long ways to go yeah it's it's a really really strong message because he's being honored for all the good work he's done Mm -hmm. and the peace that he has tried to usher in and then boom like right your peace is literally ripped to shreds uh and you know not to overstep to where i'm talking about the history but at the same time the vietnam war is taking place Mm -hmm. Um, which is like a recurring like sub theme Right in Martin in Dr. King's philosophy during the movie and in real life is like really like are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna send we're gonna send people over to Viet Vietnam, but we're not gonna send our troops down to protect our own citizens. Yep, and if you're a if you are an African American, if you're a black man, you can get drafted and shot in Vietnam, but you can't vote. But you in, can't vote. You know Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, well, technically, legally, you can vote, which yeah. is another early on um scene is uh. Annie Lee Cooper, played by Oprah Winfrey, is attempting to. She fills out the registration to vote, and I think it was what they say it was the fifth time, something like that. Yeah, and, she's um, one of those people who won't be like bullied by the system. Like she keeps trying to assert her constitutional right. right. So, um, and they mention that every time they register to vote, their name and address is published in the paper. Yeah, like here, go target them. Yep. Like, Holy crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and the, uh, and the questions that he asks, like, you know, when I go vote, it's like, where's your ID? Yeah. Great. Okay. You're in so, the system. Good job. This was something that actually a, a high school history teacher talked about that he, um, I don't remember the exact context, but essentially him and other history teachers were given this test that was like, this is what people of color in the South, well, I don't know exactly where, I guess it goes county by county, but um, I mean, it was all vaguely the same. Like they all yeah. had their 
like entrance exams if you were right. an African-American person trying to vote. So this was the test that <clears throat> they were given as just regular citizens. And he said him and uh, a bunch of these history teachers tried to take this test and very few passed. There are a couple of examples of them being required to translate something written in a foreign language. And I think maybe if I remember high school history correctly, there is a documented example of one of them being in Mandarin. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, and we won't even get into the hypocrisy of the level of education and intelligence of people who were administering these tests. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, like I said, we talked about this all day. Yeah. Uh, LBJ says, proudest moment of my life was signing the 64 Civil Rights Act. Uh, you know, it's interesting looking back, uh, with my very limited history experience or yeah. not experience Agreed. knowledge. Um, Correct. thanks Kyle. You're welcome. Uh, it's I, limited. It's not non-existent. I think of JFK for the civil rights movement. I don't think of LBJ. You know, that's interesting because historians think the exact opposite. Like JFK's social memory his like ethos mm -hmm. is that he was an advocate for civil rights dude could not have cared less mm -hmm. like not to offend any jfk fans out there i know you're out there he wasn't opposed to it but he didn't care like right. he he was not gonna go to bat for civil rights despite the the constant portrayals of him and at least not that i know of not that any firm proof has given so it's not impossible that in that he intended to but there's really not a lot of policy and not a lot of factual evidence backing up that jfk was willing to go to the mat for mm -hmm. civil rights lbj is going to be our president here this is already after the assassination um another little tip kennedy for the record right yeah uh sorry um that's no, okay it's just martin multiple, luther king jr was people, assassinated too right. uh, as was malcolm x and he yeah. briefly appears in the movie so, so a lot of assassinations clarify. during this time um, which also J. Edgar Hoover um is in this film. Yeah. He's the director of the FBI, correct? Yeah. Um that dude. So uh, early on, they're him and LBJ are talking about Martin Luther King and they're saying, like, uh, oh, you know, he's kind of a this is what he's doing. He's heading down to Alabama and J. Edgar Hoover's like it, without saying it intentionally, he's like, We could kill him. <laughs> like Oh yeah. Well he like <laughs> he does like, dude Im implies too light of word he all but just says like we can kill him if, you're, if yeah. you're tired of him early i mean that's like early on and then he's like well there are other ways we could go after him and later that is that is they send a tape to um uh, they send a tape to uh coretta his yeah. wife and um basically imply that uh martin luther king jr is cheating on her yep i i like too that it's implied early on that the FBI is kind of doing this of their own volition because Johnson's pretty unreceptive to what, like, yeah, he's like, leave him alone. Hoover's not telling leave him, him alone, but he's like, no, he doesn't tell him not to, but he's like, I'm not signing off on yeah, this. Yeah, like, no, what are you doing? Yeah, like, um, <laughs> and multiple times throughout the film, there's also like little words come up on the screen, screen and that's, uh, uh, you know, oh, he arrives in Selma. Um, yeah. this is an audio recording, or this is from a phone call made. At this time, and it's like, dude, put the dates in. I really yeah. wish they put the dates in because yeah. the time of day doesn't really matter. I think the thing is, they the there are only two like actually like inaccurate parts of this movie. The first one is that they intentionally mess with the timeline a little bit just right. to fit it into the movie, which is probably why they didn't put the dates on the FBI things. Um, and then the second thing is that there is 
no like definitive proof over whether Dr. King and Johnson were ever at each other's throats like they get in this movie. Like it's kind of a 50-50 split. Like some people think they were, but then some people are like, no. So it's, I wouldn't even call it inaccurate. It's just one of those fun things about history that people are always going to have a different memory of their loved ones than other people are. So like, you know, like there are historians and people who experience it who are like, Dr. King and President Johnson were always respectful of each mm -hmm. other and their struggles, but were you there all the time? You know, it's just one of those questions of like, did this person see something you didn't see or did this person hear it differently than, y you know, so. And they kind of, I mean, there's definitely a mutual respect, but they do get heated yeah. in their discussions throughout the, throughout the film. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're heading down to Selma um, where it's stated that 50% of the population is black, yet only 2% of the black population is allowed to vote. And there are five grown people shoved into the back, it's shoved into a 1960s five-seater car. <laughs> yes. Um, and so they arrive in Selma and instantly Martin Luther King Jr. gets punched in the face by oh, yeah. some angry white guy. It's been there like 45 seconds. Who's never mentioned again. But he Whoa. does say like, man, that white boy can punch. That white like, boy can hit. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, they essentially, they orchestrated a sit-in in front of the county courthouse, which is where the uh, voter registration takes place. Yes. Um, the next day, the story is on the front page of the newspaper, which is exactly what LBJ does not want. Does not want. Oh, yeah. He does not want attention brought to this. Uh, well, because he's working on his own legislation. Right. Um, which was... Uh, the war on poverty. The war on poverty, yeah. I like how nuanced like Johnson's character is in this movie because he's not even really saying no to the Voting Rights Act. Mm -hmm. He's just like, this will benefit everybody. Like poverty is a problem across the nation. And Dr. King is like, well, of course it is. But poverty isn't getting people beaten and lynched like voting is, you know. So it is you're. I was on Dr. King's side, but Johnson isn't like, no, I'm not defending your right to vote. He's just like, I'm going to do this later. I have my own crap I want to do first. And that's something that I, you know, I was talking about earlier um, with probably way too many words than I needed to. But, oh, always. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> too, too many or too few. No, oh, no in between. Amen. <laughs> uh, so Too much woo or not enough woo. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's layers to these issues. Um, and it really, it kind of shows both sides of like, yeah. hey, and I, I like that. Because it shows, like, this, these are real problems being solved by real people. Real people make mistakes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if even though we, we know in the end, mm -hmm. everybody ends up on the right side uh, and the legislation gets passed. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't really spoil historically based movies, you know? Ba basically, LBJ is like, we'll get to it, just not right now. And yeah. MLK is like, nope, we're, we gotta do this now. We have to do this now. And to, and, and to just reiterate how well, most of the time, how well-crafted of a movie this is, like, you're talking about the war on poverty, and it kind of pops up a couple times, and Johnson's, like, desire to do this and launch the war on poverty, and it's mentioned repeatedly how poor the black population of the South mm -hmm. is, and you see it, and so it's kind of implied that he's not necessarily like making this up like it is very possible that a war on poverty like a federally backed program to end poverty would benefit the black community but in dr king's eyes he's like be that as it may our constitutional rights are still being stepped on and that takes priority like we should be able to have a say in who implements these policies and we don't because we can't vote in half of the freaking country <laughs> uh yes yeah, so 
there's a there's a theme that we kind of discussed earlier that like these lynching lynchings and acts of violence keep happening at night and yep. keep happening out of sight of the population. And so um, but everybody knows they're happening. Like it's right. not a secret. So after the sit in, there's a night march, which seems strange, but I guess, you know, I don't I don't know what the motivation was here. Um the night march is intercepted and mm-hmm. troops break it up and um Jimmy Lee Jackson, played by Lakeith Stanfield, who's a great actor and has been been in a lot of things, um, is shot and dies right around the same time as Malcolm X. Um, yeah, give or take. Who's yeah. also in this film briefly? Yep. Uh, I almost feel like his he didn't really his scene was almost almost like a hey we have Malcolm X in this movie yeah um didn't really do a whole lot yeah I'm that scene always confuses me because like i really don't know it's possible that he was i don't know how repentant Mm -hmm. malcolm x was about his philosophy i know that near the very end of his life he decided the nation of islam was not the way forward and that the specific way that he was going about his belief in how to gain civil rights maybe wasn't right but he never backed down on like the you see your rights go take them right philosophy and if they want to shoot you shoot them back like he his way is almost more practical like it makes Mm -hmm. more sense logically but it just gets more people killed was kind of the rebuttal to it and as as dr king's followers vehemently believe you cannot win that way like there are not enough of us and we do we don't have enough physical power to win malcolm's way so we have to win dr king's malcolm's way was kind of leading to a war yeah i mean Uh, potentially yeah for sure and you know Martin Martin Luther King Jr.'s, you know, trying to make it more, I don't want to say more, more political, but making things happen politically that make long-term changes. Yeah. Um, and the FBI notes show that even the FBI, as biased as they clearly are against Dr. King, have a different view of him than they do Malcolm X, right. because they describe Dr. King as an agitator. They describe Malcolm X as a militant. Um, and those are very different words when you're talking about different. federal intervention in private lives. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so um, this this guy Jimmy Jimmy Lee Jackson is killed in the middle of the night, and nothing happens as a result. Yeah, um, um, which kind of brings you know he he points out the irony of protecting lives in Vietnam, but not in America. Nothing really changes we get more of this is when the tape is sent from or sent to uh dr king's house and he denies that he's cheating on her but he also kind of seems to admit it in a way yeah um i don't know if that's a is that a history let me double i'm pretty (laughs) sure he did is there any proof that he cheated on I'm I'm fairly certain that that is a thing that he that is true that he did cheat on her. So it's it's one of those very difficult and hard to hard to walk lines because the question I guess as a historian is how much do you believe the FBI reports? Um, hmm. Because the FBI says that he wasn't like a serial cheater, but that he did cheat on her several times. Coretta King went to her grave arguing that she was certain that he was faithful. Hmm. And then the question is like, 
how would that finding have had enough weight to dismantle him if that's your goal is the FBI? Right. And I think the directors of the film are kind of like, good man does not mean perfect man, and good leader of man does not necessarily mean good man. It kind of went that route with that's it. That's definitely something that's shown throughout the film. I, I feel like, so part of this, and this may be part of my, not issue with the film, but just something that kind of took me out of it, is that we're balancing... We're balancing the biopic, and we're balance, We're balancing him as a man, and we're balancing him as a um, leader. Like. Well, not not just not just that. Like his his problems and his uh, his uh, triumphs at the same time. But um, we're also balancing this historical event that takes place. And even talking about it here on the podcast, I keep trying to trying to do both at the same time, and it's kind of difficult. So what I was trying to do that earlier was that Jimmy Lee Jackson is killed in the middle of the night. Nothing happens. Nobody cares. Then we get the first march. From Selma to Montgomery. And it which, is awful. <laughs> which they don't get to, they don't get out of Selma. <laughs> they don't get across the bridge, So, um, Yeah, so the bridge, uh, the Edmund, Edmund Pettus Bridge, um, they uh, essentially are beginning the march without Dr. Keene. Um, they get to the other side of the bridge and troops attack. There's yeah. no, there's no... There's no way around it. It's not defensive. It is a full-on push them back across this bridge. Very militant. Um, tear gas using nightsticks. And the uh, mistake that these awful people make is yeah. they do it in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's actually called Bloody Sunday Yeah, in history books. like It's difficult. Um, it's difficult to talk about and not feel angry about. Um, even all these years later, and this kind of turns the tide of, not turns the tide of political opinion or of uh, of uh popular opinion, but really brings us into the forefront of a lot of Americans' minds. I mean, like Governor, it the the next other than the the like fallout of this march, which is just absolutely god awful, and the reporter is crying into the phone. Like, there's a you you see it but it's narrated by what i'm assuming is taken from an actual newspaper because mm-hmm. it, I, I or it's very close um this reporter who watched it is reporting back as they used to do in the 60s before cell phones existed and before the internet you would write it down and if it was breaking news that you knew was going to need to be featured the next right. day you would call your station you say it verbatim and he is phone. in a yeah he is in a phone booth reading his notes on it and he's openly crying like right. while he's talking about it um so yeah, so <clears throat> it's it's difficult. Um, the portrayal is difficult. I've seen pieces of it, the actual footage. It's not easy to watch. It's even worse. Like somehow, like they well, they, it's real people. Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, like they did a really good job of not holding their punches on film. But there is only so much you can do to like fabricate the sheer hatred of like moments like that mm-hmm. and then when you see it it's kind of like when you watch a world war ii movie or something about the holocaust and it's awful and it's heart-wrenching and then you watch actual footage of it and yeah. it's just even worse yeah same thing like um so this is kind of the this is the this is the biggest call to action that you know the civil rights movement has at this point it's also our first big leadership moment of a very important um secondary character which is uh the late senator john lewis is one of the leaders of SNCC, which is the student... I'm the historian and I forgot. I'll look it up. But he's the leader of a... Not a competing, but a non... 
affiliated with Dr. King civil rights group mm-hmm. made up of younger people. Um, and they are also in Selma trying to organize their way. And he and the other leader constantly butt heads, but he goes on the march by himself, like just as John Lewis. And he gets a skull fracture from a state trooper. And yet he still picks up um, other people and helps guide them back to yeah. the church where they started. And there's a guy who says, let's get the guns. Let's go back. And he's talked down because that's not, the, I mean, the, I mean, obviously the gut reaction would be to fight back. Oh, of course. Yeah. But the importance of what Dr. Keene and his group was doing was that they are showing the nation the problem mm-hmm. that is right under their noses. Yeah. Um, and not only that, it's, it's when push comes to shove, as one of Dr. King's associates who is there participating in the march as well, talks the guy down is he doesn't even try to tell him, well, you got to turn the other cheek or you've got to be the better man. He just goes, just sheer numbers. If you do that, we will all die. Yeah. Like you, he, uh, he basically says, what do you have? A couple pistols, maybe a couple old shotguns. And he goes, how's that going to work against their automatic rifles and their Colt 38 pistols and their helicopters and their tanks and their machine guns. Right. He's like, you kill two of them. They'll kill 10 of us. Like, yeah, you can't, we, we can't win that way. It's not even that we don't want to, we cannot can't like win that way. Not only is the, is, you know, Bloody Sunday um, televised across the nation in mm-hmm. that, that evening or that afternoon's five o'clock news. It is also um, MLK's call to action, come help us, is also televised. And yep. um, a lot of people show up. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the second march is uh, a third white, according to the reports in the movie. Yep. Yeah, so the, the important context for the movie is that they are trying to get a court order of protection, more or less. Like, mm-hmm. a legal, you have to let this happen unimpeded, like, march. Because you're not going to stop private citizens from breaking the law, but that would stop any organized response from the sheriff mm-hmm. or the Alabama state uh, police. But they, can't, they don't have it yet. So the best they can do is that it's implied, it's never directly said, but it's implied that Johnson more or less crawls up Governor George Wallace's ass and is like, let the people buy, or I will send the National Guard, is like the implied like, discussion that he has mm-hmm. with one of his aides. So they get to the bridge, and with all of these people, and all these people who have traveled to march with them, um, about one out of three of them are white. And I think that statistic holds up, like there were considerably more white people in the second march, because this is all very, very accurate. Um, and the troopers just stand aside. Mm-hmm. And they all, the crowd cheers, and they're ready to march, and Dr. King prays, and then turns around. And leads them all back. So that did happen? Yeah, it's, it's called Turnaround Tuesday. Okay. This is all happening within a couple days of right. each other. So, um, so, so he, you have Bloody Sunday, and then like two days later, you have Turnaround Tuesday. Okay, so he, he marches back, and then um, this part kind of confused me uh, during the film. So then there's a court case, the SCLC versus the state of Alabama, mm-hmm. and that basically permits the march. There's this trend in the South during segregation as federal law is more and more asserting that you have to treat people equally. There are more and more like, I'll call them like, I don't know, hostile nuances used Mm -hmm. by state governments to stop them, like stop African-Americans and other people of color, but the primary population is African-Americans that we're talking about from exercising these rights. So George Wallace never says that black people in the South do not have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. But it's up to the county 
Voting That's clerks. what he says. In so the, if they want to put in polling taxes and tests and questions or whatever, what am I supposed to do? I mean, that's how government works. And we're not saying that they absolutely can't assemble in March, mm-hmm. but they're impeding the road or it's unsafe or it's a sanitary problem. They mm-hmm. would just come up with repeated reasons to not let it happen. So it's the SCLC um, being like, we will have a judge legally reassert to you that it is our right to march and that mm-hmm. you can't do anything about it. And again, that's not going to stop vigilante violence, but it will tap down on the like the military level like violence that you see on Bloody Sunday. Uh. And then right around this time, there's a uh, a white priest from Boston that's lynched in the middle of the night and is yeah, killed. James James Reeb, right? Uh, I think so. I think right. his that, his last name's Reeb. I know that. Um, well, he's beaten to death. He's not lynched. He's like beaten with a club. <laughs> yeah. So so he he um, there's not a lot of. I guess I don't, I shouldn't say there's not a lot of. This is one of the this is one of the kind of exceptions of a white person being lynched in. Or, or being killed in the South. Yeah. Um. I mean, the thing is, the only reason it doesn't really happen a lot before the civil rights movement is there just aren't very many. There, there's never none. There's always an exception to the rule. But there's not very many white people in the South who are willing to be killed for right. like their black neighbors because they just aren't. Um. So in... That again, that's another real thing that happens, and it happens pretty much date wise. The way it happens in the movie is that James Reeb, I just found his name. So, James Reeb is a Unitarian minister from the North. Mm-hmm. I think he says he's from Massachusetts, Boston, right? Boston, I think is what yeah. he says. So, yeah, Massachusetts. Um, it's him and three other ministers, and they, the literal evening of the turnaround march, they are hunted down and beaten with clubs by four KKK members. Mm. The other three, or the other two, survive, but Reeb was injured so badly that he died two days later. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, this is, I don't know if this is much more of a call to action, but when the march takes place, there yeah. are a lot, uh, a lot of people involved in this. So when it finally happens, the march is pretty significant. Um, and we, actually, in the film, we cut to actual footage of the march from Selma to Montgomery. Yeah, they finally they finally managed to do it. Johnson is finally in the movie. He is pushed and prodded and pushed and prodded by the public backlash, the fact that you now have white Americans being murdered. Which is kind of it, it not kind of it is sad that it that it takes that to yeah, oh, move it's, this it's forward. Awful. And in the movie, I love how in the movie they don't shy away from it because Dr. King literally looks at Johnson and be like, I heard that you visited James Reeves or you called, yes. uh, you know, you called Dr. Reeves wife and that's a good thing to do. And you are a good man for doing that. I only wish Jimmy Lee Jackson's mother right. had received the same sympathy right. from her president. Uh, and so it's that not at all disguise shot of like, just because you are less racist than the people I'm fighting. Don't think I don't see you. Right. Like, uh, and you know, and that's something that, again, it's not, it's not that a white person died and now suddenly everything's different, but it's just, it's sad that it takes that to get the attention of some people. Yeah. And the fact that you can't disguise it anymore, like mm-hmm. that it's, and this is, I hate even having to say this, but you can't like fake justify it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like obviously these people are just violent and filled with hate, right? Because if it was just about the social order of things, why are you killing white people? Like they have the right to do whatever they want, right? Like that's your mm-hmm. whole state thing. So now you're killing them for walk. You know, like 
So yeah, and it's, it's just one of those things that makes you so it's so infuriating. I hate that it was even a thing that happened. Like I hate having to acknowledge that that was a thought process of most of white America, but it was. It's kind of like during the Civil War, just because you didn't like slavery didn't mean you thought black people should be treated equally. Same thing here. Like yeah. just because you didn't like segregation didn't mean that you were going to like march for black people. But when the white dude from Boston gets his head caved in, suddenly it's like, oh, oh, damn, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's disgusting, it's, but it worked. <laughs> it worked. Uh, so the uh, the march takes place. MLK delivers a speech at the Capitol in Montgomery, which I'm sure Wallace was just super happy well, about. I like how in the movie, and I can't back this up with historical fact, although it might be, but in the movie, Johnson is pushed to act by the fact that George Wallace is just an unrepentant asshole. Yeah. And he's like, what, dude, just let it, he's like, why, why do you care? Why, why right. do you care so much? You rule Alabama, just let it ride. And he acts like it's the county registrars that yeah. uh, are the problem. And and it's, it's like, dude, no. <laughs> and another example of the, because it's not a perfect film by any means, but some of the really good film crafting that goes into this movie is Dr. King has a discussion for President Johnson about, do you want to die and be remembered in history as because um, he goes, nobody will remember the Voting Rights Act, mm-hmm. Mr. President. No, nobody will remember it. They'll remember Selma, and they'll remember the bus boycotts, mm-hmm. and they'll remember Jimmy Lee Jackson being murdered and the people who have been killed. And do you want to be remembered as the president who said, I can't, I won't wait? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be remembered as the man who does it? And he kind of blows him off in and the moment. And then he uses that against And then I think it's just, it George makes Wallace. it real to him. Like, he realizes what that looks like mm-hmm. in person. Because George Wallace is like, well, I'm not gonna, you know, there's, we do things a certain way in the mm-hmm. South and I have no control and blah, 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 blah. And Johnson throws the line back at him and he goes, you know, we shouldn't even be thinking about 1965. We should be thinking about 1985. Right. Where we'll both probably be dead and Johnson dies in like, I think the 70s. So yeah, he dies relatively soon after the events of this movie. But he's like, do you want to be remembered as the man who said, I can't, I won't, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever. And George Wallace is like, well, I don't think you should care about the people in the future and you could literally see in Johnson's face that he's like I do and he goes well I'll be damned I think he says something in the movie along the lines of well George I will be damned if I am mentioned in the same chapters of history that you right. are <laughs> I will not be mentioned in the same chapters that you are um, and Wallace doesn't care but I'm like that is a hell of a thing for your president to tell you <laughs> right um Total, total side note, Tim Roth plays George Wallace. Dude, I all love the actors in this just, oh, but t- yeah. Tim Roth does, his, his accent, I mean, his accent is so spot on. It's yeah. so good. And the thing about George Wallace in history is he is like, he's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just is. And he's inarguably at least a very racist by today's standards and decently racist by the 60 standards guy. But the question that historians still really can't answer is how racist is George Wallace in his own heart versus how much does he just view it as a really convenient political expediency? Mm. Like he's not, not racist. He is. That's inarguable, but is he clan level racist or is he just, well, you know, it's the way things are. And I, I don't think they deserve equality anyway. And on top of that, if them being treated really poorly gets me to rule Alabama, then so be it, you know? And, and that almost makes him a worse person, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, because he puts he puts self gain over. It's one thing uh, that a, an estate a state full of people. I don't know if it's worse. It makes him like a slimier person, right? Because it's one thing to actually believe it, and it's because he literally calls the sheriff who's doing all this a backwoods hillbilly like piece of crap. Like, right? He's like, you tell him to stand down, and his uh his the colonel of his state police is like, you know, Jesus Christ and Elvis could both talk. To the sheriff and tell him to stop and he would beat both of them and throw them in jail 
<laughs> which is hilarious but horrible so, at the same time so awful but it's a funny why uh, the delivery is really yeah, funny. funny uh speaking of great accents i do have to point out and i apologize if i butcher this name which i probably will david oyelowo who plays dr oh Keen. my god dude the voice dude he's british that's crazy to me. He's British. That's crazy. <laughs> he sounds just like like they he have. Sounds just like well, they him. have that snippet of like actual Doctor King's actual voice at the end, and like you can't hard, tell. Can't hard to tell. No, you can't tell. But uh, yeah, I, I I learned that he really he, doesn't look all that much like him. Like he does, he bears a passing kind, resemblance. Uh, but like when you see the pictures of Doctor King at the end, but he sounds, and I think that's brilliant because nobody really remembers how Doctor King looked, but we all know what the man sounds like because oh, we've yeah. all heard the yeah. speeches. Uh yeah, so the fact <laughs> when I found out he's British, I was like, dude, dude I know. his voice so good. Um, yeah, so then we find the rapper out- Commons in it. And yeah, he plays one of Dr. King's um one of the SCLC's um leaders, and he does a really good job. Yeah. Like they all, dude, the the heat is brought in this movie by the uh, actors. Every, everybody does a great job, which I feel like we keep saying over and over I think again. that's the thing about we, good movies, we need to find We need to find a movie that has a bad cast, because Ooh, like... Yeah, I can think of we a We just few. keep saying the same thing. We're like, oh man, everyone in this movie just killed it. Okay, so at the end, he delivers his speech, um, then we did a little text over, kind of describing like, hey, this is what really happened after the events of the film are ended. As we all know, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Yeah, like three what? years later. Yeah, yeah, not was it sixty eight? Sixty eight. Yeah. Yeah, he um, shot in Memphis on his hotel balcony, which that hotel's the now the Civil Rights Museum, the National Civil Rights Museum. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, I mean, but there's a couple. There was there's a couple. Um, I forgot the name. You mentioned him earlier. He runs for. He becomes senator for like twenty eight. Oh, John years? Lewis. Yeah. John Lewis. Yeah. Um, he he died in twenty twenty. I think he died during Trump's presidency. Okay. I remember that. Um, so he, so anyways, he, he becomes Senator for a very, pretty long time. Yeah. Um, that dude is the man, the myth, the legend, John Lewis. And I feel bad because I didn't really know who he was before he passed away. Um, and then I took a class. My first class in graduate school was American history from the like forties ish to now. And that man's name is everywhere, mm-hmm. like starting with the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and onward. Like he, that he had no off switch. <laughs> uh, Martin Luther King Jr. gets a lot of, I mean, rightfully so, gets a lot of the credit for the civil rights movement. But it was a definitely, and this kind of brings to light some of those minor, not minor characters, but you know, uh, ones that don't really get the same recognition. Yeah, um, I I appreciated that the movie acknowledged that he is the leader of his group, but A, that there are different groups, like um, SNCC, mm-hmm. the, John, the, the group that John Lewis is a part of, um, and then even in the SCLC, like, yeah, okay, he's in, ch- quote-unquote, in charge, but he travels with, like, six people, and right. they all, like, obviously command respect and know what they're doing, to the extent that King isn't even there uh, for the first march. Mm-mm. He leaves it to, not well, Ralph Abernathy, a, a couple other of his like cohort and just because he can't be there like he literally has a prior scheduled thing Coretta thing. Uh, oh yeah Coretta Coretta um, calls him out and he says in, he says I have to be home right now which thank god that's, that was bloody Sunday and so yeah um, yeah. I don't know how that I don't know how history would have changed if I think, he had been yeah. a part of that I think, in, I think in real life he's actually just that busy um, as awful as that is to say mm-hmm. I think I think in real life he just they weren't sure how big it was going to be, and he's a... I mean, you don't know until after. Yeah, but he's, yeah. A, he's a powerful enough figure that the, 
the parts of the movie where they're constantly worried about him being shot, that is true. So yeah, they urge the, him to. The further we get into the movement, the less he makes random public appearances, and mm-hmm. it's because they are so worried that he's going to be assassinated, and he he was. Uh, so yeah, they may, they they basically they urge him, hey, show up in Montgomery. Don't be a part of the march. Just yeah. drive. Show up at the end. Do your speech. Leave. And this is coming from the president's. Um, I'm assuming like domestic security liaison at whoever he is but he he obviously cares about dr king like that is made clear in the movie that he mm-hmm. even if the president isn't unilaterally on their side this specific guy seems to be um there's a scene where when king is in the white house talking to johnson he is meeting with some of dr king's um friends co-workers uh, brothers in arms, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. part of the SCLC conference. I feel so bad for not knowing their names, but there's a lot of them and they're all very important. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't have time to write them all down for this, but they are talking and a tactic that had been used was that, well, if we warn them there's a security threat, they won't go. So sometimes, yes, the FBI would make up a security mm-hmm. threat or blow one out of proportion to try to get him to not show up. And that's brought up by the SCLC. And this guy looks him in the eye and he says, this is a threat coming out of the same county in the same area that Selma is in about organized force if Dr. King shows up Mm -hmm. and he goes I am telling you right now if he were my man I would not let him go (laughs) right uh you know and Dr. King says no I'm going and he does and I I mean he makes it to Montgomery yeah and Dr. King in real life is very aware that he's probably not gonna live to see the end because at By the time Dr. King is assassinated, and they mention this briefly in the movie, I am not going to say every major civil rights leader has been assassinated, but so many of them Mm -hmm. have. Uh, Malcolm X is killed in 1965. Uh, Bobby Kennedy, though he wasn't ever president, I think he... He was running for president. He was running for president, and he's a pretty firm believer in, like, we need to keep up the battle for civil rights. He runs against... uh, the, he runs against Johnson for the Democratic nomination in 68 or Herbert Humphrey or whoever it is. Um, he gets killed in California. In 68 as well, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. After King, I believe. But yes. And then um, they mentioned Medgar Evers, who was killed in, I believe, 1963, but it might be 1962. He was an up and coming civil rights leader who was very, very well known in his area and was becoming nationally recognized and was very stalwart. And he preached the same message King did. And he is killed in his own driveway by a guy with a hunting rifle and he bleeds to death in front of his wife and kids on his front porch. Hmm. Um, There are, I can't remember their names, but I looked them up. So I apologize for not remembering. One of the names he mentions, Harold. Freeman, something like that. Watch the movie. Um, it's kind of a throwaway line, but they talk about all the guys who have been assassinated. He was shot. The guy I'm thinking of was shot in broad daylight mm-hmm. in the middle of the street, like just in like 1958 or something. He had been preaching about civil rights. He's he's a local leader who's gaining steam, and the guy is shot down in the middle of the day in the middle of the city. Um, and another one uh, that's mentioned at the end of the film, uh, uh, I'm going to mess this up again. Viola Louiso? Yeah. Uh, anyways, she was one of the, she's a, a, she's kind of a, I I don't want to say nobody, but she's, she's not anybody important. She's just somebody who shows up to the march. Yeah. It's just mentioned that she's just a white woman from the North. Yeah. She's a white woman who shows up to the march and she's murdered five hours after the speech. That is true. Um, she and a young 19 year old gentleman by the name of Leroy. 
Moten, Moten, who um, is a black man who is local, um, were driving marchers and volunteers from Montgomery back to Selma. She was warned by James Orange, who is a member of the SCLC, and he is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy who wears the overalls all the time. The mm-hmm. big guy. Yeah. Um, that it's dangerous and that she shouldn't do it. She does it anyway. Uh, they were driving along the main road, so like Route 80. A car tried to force them off the road. She avoided it. Um, she dropped passengers in Selma. They headed back to Montgomery. They were getting gas, and they were ab- verbally abused. When she stopped at a red light on her way to Montgomery, a car with four members of the local KKK, including um, the now-famous FBI infiltrator, uh, Mr. Rowe, Famous-ish. He's famous among people who study. Uh, I don't know. Movement. They, he was a plant in the KKK who helped bring a lot of them down in like the 60s oh, and 70s. Well, he didn't do a good job this day. Well, he's an undercover cop. Like, that's, that's what you got to do, unfortunately. Yes. Um, pulled up alongside her. When they saw a white woman and a black man in a car together, um, they followed her. They shot at her. They shot her twice in the head as she was driving, and the uh, car veered into a ditch crashing. Um, the young man who was with her managed to survive and flugged, flugged, flagged down um, a passing car. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she was just murdering cold blood, so, just trying to drive people back to their homes. So let me get this straight. So she is essentially attempted. She somebody tries to run her off the road. She's verbally assaulted at uh, a gas station. Yep. These are not the same group of people. No. So just to show the hostility yeah. of supporters of the of this march. Um, these are separate groups of people who are doing various levels of assault and mm-hmm. murder to oh yeah supporters uh, man, and the bravery just... of this woman who doesn't know any of these people who's just like screw all of you like yeah. this is the right cause yeah all right well mm, um, yeah it happened that happened there are a couple of guys a couple three guys um in Mississippi uh a couple of years before this that are murdered in a in a dry is it a drive-by if they're both driving in a, in a car-based shooting event that's very similar to yeah. the way that uh, she loses her life? And it's actually... They change the names, they change the events a little bit, but the movie Mississippi Burning, if any of our listeners have seen it, that shooting in the very beginning that they investigate is based off of a very real thing mm. that happened. So Yeah. Um, okay. Well, not the brightest way not to the end the... of subjects, no. ...end the podcast. Um, but then again, it's not really a... I mean, it's a, it's a it's a powerful movie. It's a yeah. It's a um, important movie. But it really yeah, emphasizes it's... that like none of these big things are like the ultimate victory though, mm-hmm. because you have this great thing. The Voting Rights Act eventually goes through, and people are still being shot and killed. Mm-hmm. I love that there is a movie about Dr. King, and I think it's awesome. And I love that they include some of his coworkers and his uh, fellow leaders because that's really mm-hmm. what they were. They were equally invested. Their lives were, if not quite quote unquote is at risk of organized assassination they were just as likely to be killed in marches and they were not at all not likely to be targeted for assassination and they repeatedly got their names in newspapers got their faces on the news showed up to these hostile things intending to not fight back knowing that they could die and just doing it for the greater good anyway i mean their running joke in the group is that well you know as good of a place to die as any i guess this would make a great tv show where you could really dive into all of the smaller yeah. characters in this film um kind of get their backstory and kind of see where they go i would love to see that of you know the march being the thing that kind of unites them all together and then just taking each character and just looking at their mm-hmm. life before and after the events of this 
Um, One thing I want to mention before we sign off, though, that is not a historical fallacy, but something that I was made aware of in my class that I think is worth mentioning, is that there is a character that is featured in the group that rarely speaks, but he's very recognizable because he's tall and he has glasses and he mm-hmm. has the high fade haircut. His name is Bayard Rustin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They really never mentioned him by name in the movie, which I don't know how influential he was in this specific instance. So I don't think this is a big problem. But the legacy of Bayard Rustin in the civil rights movement has recently been reanalyzed because it turns out there's significant evidence that his role was consciously downplayed by the SCLC and potentially by Dr. King because he was a gay man and he was openly gay in the 60s. Ironically, um, my fiance was watching Sunday morning, CBS Sunday morning, and there was a little bit about him today. Yeah, and that the more people research, the more that King was the voice and the soul and Rustin was the mouth and the brain. Mm -hmm. So he organized where Dr. King would go and they were good. They were a good team, but there's more and more evidence that you know, one of the key words in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference is Christian. Right. And that his sexuality was a big issue. And as soon as they, I want to say as soon as I wasn't there, um, it's still under review. It's appearing more and more like potentially as soon as they could cut him loose, they did. Um, Which is so sad because he was just as likely to lose his life doing this and oh, just yeah. as important as any of the rest of them. And the only difference was that he was a gay man who was proud of who he was. Like, and he's been erased more or less from the public conscience. And then um, I thought, going off of that news report this morning, uh, Obama in like 2013 gave him a medal. Yeah, he received one from Reagan as well in the 80s. So it's one of those interesting things where when when the point is forced, his sexuality has never impeded the absolute necessity of his acknowledgement Mm -hmm. but anything less than that he gets shoved to the side yeah which is so sad like i can't i know he wasn't doing it for the recognition um but i just can't assuming he has family i haven't looked into him that deeply but assuming he has family or he has friends um who knew how important he truly was i just i find that that is a cruel fate to be kind of like to, to have people act like you were on the back burner when in reality, maybe you didn't give a lot of speeches, but you were part of this incredibly brave group of men and women. Oh, yeah. Who pretty much everybody else, even like, I mean, even, you know, Mr. Orange or Dr. Orange, I'm not sure if he had a degree, um, and Ralph Abernathy and John Lewis and all these other very brave souls who did this and worked with Dr. King or with other organizations, at least have partial name recognition. And you were there and you were in the back designing everything and they needed you. And then you're just ignored mm-hmm. for decades. Well, uh, okay. Well, let's just wrap this one up. Yeah, man. why not? Let's now just, that we're all bummed. Yeah. So like I was saying, this is not the best way to end I just it. think it was a good message of just because people are on the right side of history and just because they are good people does not mean they are flawless people and that no. they don't have their own internal issues and prejudices. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, there's even some condescension when they meet the student, uh, <laughs> the the student caucus that John Lewis is a part of. Like, they play nice, but it's clear that like Dr. King and his guys don't really respect them. Well, all that they much. were sent to kind of take over, and there's a there's a there's a power play here. But they're kind of um, you. You kind of expect them to be like nice about it, and they're not hostile. But you're like, man, Dr. King, you're a little condescending to these guys. Well, who yeah, they're the students, and he's like, look. Uh, the pros are here. <laughs> yeah, and one of the leaders of the student conference calls Dr. King and his uh, his like comrades 
the, the Lord and his disciples. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> um, and he even mirrors kind of what LBJ was saying about, like, there's uh, some people look down upon the methods that he took of you're nonviolent, but you cause a yep. lot of disturbances. And, yeah. uh, and so he kind of frowns, frowns upon him, but kind of disagrees with that method right. um, of approach. Uh, okay, we gotta give it. We gotta give our our ratings. Okay, so uh, I'll go first. If you're gonna give it another seven, like I swear, <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta diversify this. Like you gotta start giving point fives, man. If you're not confident, giving a whole whole number. Of ratings. Uh, okay, I had some problems with um you, it, the problem that I had with the film. Okay, was that the only problem? The uh, one? No, the single. Uh, there were a couple things. Um. It felt like we, like I said earlier, we kept bouncing back and forth. Like I want to follow a plot line. I understand that we're, there's a lot of layers to this, but I want to follow conflict that I'm, they're overcoming. Not just, uh, he had this problem. He had this problem. He had this problem. He has, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like I want to, I want to give me. It didn't have me, uh, not engaged. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, there was not a very clear. This is what we're working towards. It was kind of we kept taking a step forward and a step back. Um, I thought kind of the the way that the the story was laid out in the script was kind of could have been played with a little bit more. Maybe that was that they were trying to stick to reality. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, man, you kind of you could have moved this around. Also, there was a few things that weren't explained well. Um, the bombing in the Birmingham church right. was kind of just in there, and then wasn't. Right. It was brought up once. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, okay, I don't. I mean, I understand that's it's part of it goes with what's happening, but like I just wish it could have been either used or um kind of explored more. Sure. Um the acting was phenomenal. Uh I like I always like when we do have these historical films, I like whenever they have images of the real events at the end. Um that's always a little always I don't know, just Makes me happy. <laughs> sure. It's sure. like, oh, look, we made, we made Hollywood, you know, this was Hollywood and we, we made this movie, but here's, here's the events that really took place. I like that. Uh, Kyle, you're going to hate me, man. I'm going to give it a seven. Bro. Bro, I can't, I mean, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's just, it's temporary. My rating, um, is historically, it's a nine. I'm, I'm honestly going to give it a nine. Ooh. It is. It's not perfect, as we discussed. That might be um, high. Is that higher than Glory? I don't oh, remember. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I think I gave Glory an 8. Okay. Um, because, like, Gladiator I had to chunk up because there were some things that were really good. Yeah. Braveheart's just historically <laughs> awful. Um, and then Glory's close. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to give some of the 9 because, like I said, the only things that are concretely, like, incorrect, they're not even really wrong, just incorrect, is some of the timelines a little squished. Mm-hmm. Um, not a, really about Selma, but just the events around it, like the beginning and the end. And then um, the murder of Jimmy Lee Jackson is expedited for good reason, but he actually, he dies in the hospital a couple days after he's shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the conversations with King and Johnson. So it's not, it's not flawless, but it's uh, without just removing any artistic license and like just making a documentary, it's pretty freaking close. Oh, and then the the fact that the movie picks sides on the did or did not Dr. King cheat on his wife. I don't well, think that's irresponsible or bad. It's just that it's, you know, 
it's it, not historically proven he does um, and that's the thing in, in, even in the film he never admits to it but you can see in the way he's act you can tell like the direction is he is admitting to it without admitting to yeah, it yeah because she asks him do you love me and he goes of course i do and she goes don't you dare lie to me do you love any of the others and the others could be the people that he is close to it could be the people that he is he's not but that his actions are leading to right getting abused and beaten but mm. really everybody knows that it's the the women you cheated on me with do you love them is kind right. of the implied message of that conversation so yeah so again um and you know like, like i said it's hard to prove a rumor um one way or the other of course and so yeah. they they do they show that he kind of admits to it but doesn't oh i don't really... i don't think it's irresponsible it's just objectively you can't prove that with history so it just takes away from the the ver the veracity of the movie, and it seems to be the belief of m most of the population is that you you know he wasn't a flawless person. He did make mistakes. Oh yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's possible that he wasn't even in his personal life all that great of a guy, but he had a vision for the greater good, and he mm -hmm. pursued it until they killed him for it. So you got to give the man his props. Like yeah. All right. So historically, nine out of ten. Yep. What's your personal rating? Oh man, personal rating. Um, eight and a half. Um, it's a little slow. It's a little scattered. But a little, yeah, a little slow. Well, you know, so Dustin's a horror movie like crackhead, right? <laughs> and he, this is why I have to harass him for this. Do not cut him any slack. He explicitly told me, "I think we should review a movie that isn't about fighting or wars." And I said, "Okay," knowing that his eight-year-old attention span would struggle. <laughs> And he watched it, and this man is not 10 minutes into this movie, and he's like, oh my god, it's just two people sitting in a room and talking. Which is ironic, because I liked Oppenheimer, which is... Which is like three hours people of people just talking in a I, room. I also thought Oppenheimer was slow. It has its moments. I think... Uh, I think you've been you've been sheltered by your machete slasher movies. I've been conditioned to either you know jump or laugh or cry and every in, five. In minutes. your defense, you exist right now. I mean, you have an infant at home. You exist in a perpetual state of like sleep deprivation. So sleep I can understand that if if explosions aren't happening and blood isn't running, it's blood. hard to cortisol focus. and caffeine is the only two chemicals in my body right now. So. There's no dopamine left. <laughs> There's just nothing, nothing else. Um, I did make it through the movie in one go. Um, I did not have to stop partway through. It's not a super long movie. It's like right at two hours. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect length for a biopic. I you really, know? I really thought, I, I really just, I, it was the fact that, like I said, it would pull me in. It would try to push me away because it just kept bouncing around between different ideas, which I understand again. Um, but yeah, I just it kept kind of pushing me out. And yeah. good God, some of the some of the like, just talk faster, just talk faster. <laughs> some of the scenes, it's like, okay, I know you have to have this in here, but I know where it's going. And you're just taking forever to get to it. And I was like, please, for the love of God, <laughs> go. Just just go faster. <laughs> you see, I like a little I like a little drama, you know? I like a little little tension. So I'm gonna give it an eight out of five. And Dustin can just drink more caffeine the next time he watches a non war uh, movie. All right. Well, that's that. We are moving on. This is easily our longest episode, at least before editing nice. my ramblings out. Well, we have that like <laughs> full disclosure to see how the the sausage is made there's like five minutes of my family um being loud oh yeah yeah, yeah. and dogs barking that we're gonna edit out so this might actually end up being our shortest part you never know <laughs> um so hopefully the audio turns out good if it doesn't we apologize if it doesn't we're listening. filming in an office and we're poor leave us alone <laughs> uh this is a this is a, is this considered a startup 
Sure. I don't even know. This is this is a start to something. Hey, like we said, like we always say, we have what up on Bill Gates. He had to start in the garage. We're starting in an air-conditioned office. Yeah, but I am freezing. I hope my voice doesn't sound all frigid. I don't know why I'm so cold. All frigid. Uh, anyways. Should have done your vocal warm-ups. Uh-huh. No. Uh, Gino Linetti spaghetti confetti. <laughs> uh, so what? Next next episode. I've literally not thought at all about the next we episode. We talked about doing a Brad Pitt double feature. Right. Right. We did. I'm okay. Like, I'm not opposed. We're to from that. Springfield. We're recording this in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we shamelessly plug him, maybe someday. <laughs> My third grade teacher was a friend of yours. Dude. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Think we can get him on the podcast? Uh, That'd be a huge boost. I really doubt that. <laughs> no, so we talked about doing a Brad Pitt double feature. Um, we're moving away from wars for another episode. Okay. Talking about doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I actually haven't seen that movie. You've never seen it? Nope. Oh, dude. So I'll be it in your shoes for a second. super pretty okay. It's pretty good. I uh, like I, it. I, I'm so excited now. <laughs> Man, it's not my favorite Tarantino, but it is a good movie. Um, dude, super pretty opinion. okay. Title of your sex tape, am I right? Hey, man, that is two Brooklyn Nine Nine references within five minutes of each other. I'm on fire, and I've never watched the show, so I didn't oh, get either of them. My Christ. <laughs> so, anyways, um, gosh, now we're at <laughs> now we've talked for five more minutes again. Um, I'm gonna have to do a lot of editing on this. Like, adult ADHD is alive and well, okay? Look, Leave man. It's yeah, it's it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But anyways, um moving on. All right guys. That's the episode. See you next time. See ya.